Welcome to episode number 12 of the Road to Cinema podcast, featuring Oscar-nominated costume designer Deborah Landis. On today's episode, we discuss the Hollywood costume exhibit currently on display at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, curated by today's guest, Deborah Landis. From October 2nd, 2014 until March 2nd, 2015, the exhibit features costumes from 1914 until 2014. That spans Charlie Chaplin and the Tramp, all the way to Chris Evans in Captain America the Winter Soldier. The deconstruction section of the exhibit allows a guest to view a screenplay page and see how a costume designer uses that very screenplay page to create a costume and bring a character to life. The dialogue section of the exhibit features exclusive interviews between directors and costume designers. These interviews include Mike Nichols and Ann Roth, Quentin Tarantino and Sharon Davis, Martin Scorsese and Sandy Powell, Tim Burton and Colleen Atwood, and a special section dedicated to Alfred Hitchcock. We discuss the history and development of this incredible multimedia exhibit, which began at the Victoria and Albert Museum in London, and eventually toured the entire world, now landing finally in Los Angeles, thanks to the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. We also discuss Deborah Landis's involvement creating the costume for Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark. For more information on the Road to Cinema podcast, to read the Road to Cinema blog, and to watch our Road to Cinema YouTube series, please visit jogroadproductions.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, at jogroad, for the latest updates. And now we join Oscar-nominated costume designer Deborah Landis as she discusses the history and development of the Hollywood costume exhibit currently on display at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. Uh, so I thought I would go back to the very beginning of the development of the exhibition, which I believe was at the Victoria and Albert Museum in London. That's right. Was it still through the Academy at that point as well? Hold on. No. Um, no. In fact, the the V&A, or the Victoria and Albert Museum, is the, it's really the pantheon of design. And what I mean by that is that it's the greatest museum of art and design in the world. And it's a place that not only honors the artifact, but also honors the designers who created them. So, it, yeah, they, they, have, um, they have many fantastic exhibitions on design. I have my PhD from the Royal College of Art in London, which has an associated design history program. And I actually have my doctorate in the history of design. Uh, so when, uh, when you designed the exhibition, how do you think your, your PhD background played into, uh, into putting everything together in a sense? Well, I'm a, I'm a double threat. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a double threat because I'm an Oscar-nominated PhD. I don't know. There, I guess there might be others. <laughs> we, should, I, we, we could have a support group, I suppose. So I'm, I'm two mints in one. So, that you know, they got... Um, a uh, veteran practitioner, and also, I, and I can't even, even at 62 years old, I can't even say the word, I'm a scholar, I'm such a scholar. So I'm, yeah, I think uh, that's a, really a perfect match, both for the V&A and for the creation of a show like Hollywood Costume. 
And uh, at the Victorian Albert, was it also set up in the way it is now, where you have the deconstruction section, the dialogue section between directors and costume designers, and then the finale area, where you see sort of an eclectic mix of uh, different costumes? Yeah, the Hollywood Costume Show is actually even expanded from the Victorian Albert show. Listen, the show in, in London was the most successful exhibition in the history of that 150-year-old institution. 268,000 people saw this show in 14 weeks. This show here in Hollywood, it's expanded, but its organization is exactly as it was in London. It's a, it's a three-act show. First, you have to know what a costume designer does and what a costume designer's role is on every single movie. Then you have to learn something about our collaborations with directors and with actors, because they're the people in the movie. The actors are the stories about people, and you have to work with actors. And then finally, the show has a huge finale, and then you go to the gift shop. <laughs> Uh, when you walk in the beginning of the exhibition, you see uh, all the Edith Head uh, Academy Awards. Uh, how important do you think Edith Head was to costume design and film? Well, interestingly, and that's a good question, it, it's not so much her designs. If you look on the IMDb, she designed over 450 movies, or she has 450 credits, and you'd think, how is that even possible in somebody's lifetime? Well, most of the time, Edith designed the lead actors or the principal actors. Yeah. How is she important is for a very different reason. She was a huge promoter. And, and some said a self-promoter. I think she did more to explain our field, the field of costume design, and our contribution to every single production than, any, than anyone else on the planet. She was one of the first people to go on the radio, on the Art Linkletter show, to talk about costuming and how cons costuming really helps transform actors. And then she was one of the first people to go on the Art Linkletter television show in the early 50s. So I think she was amazing. I'm sorry I didn't get to know her better. I did get to meet her, and I think that her Oscars, beginning our show, and especially here at the Academy, is is really important. In the, uh, in the next area, when you walk in the uh, deconstruction area, where you really learn what a costume designer does, uh, I found it really incredible to see the script pages and to read through the pages and see how the character was designed in the script, and then you're looking at the costume there. What a lot of people don't realize is that a script is really a blueprint and you don't really have specifics as far as what the character is wearing. Sometimes it's just sort of a vague uh, description of sort of the general milieu of what the character is, the psychological personality. But it was just amazing to see sort of how a costume designer can read a script, get an impression, and then draw on it to put something together and collaborate with the actor. Uh, what do you? How do you feel that's uh, an important that's, Person as a costume designer. Well, no, I feel like my work here is done. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jeff. Yeah, I, I have accomplished my mission. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I that's totally it. I mean, uh, so many people have asked me throughout my career, don't you want to design a line? Don't you want to design a oh, What? What? I'm, I'm so not about fashion. I really don't want to have to 
worry about what you're going to want to buy next year. And, and one of the big misunderstandings uh, and the big confusions between fashion and costume design is, hey, we start with a story. And somebody's written that story. A screenwriter has written that story. Okay, so then we have the script, as you said, on the first plinth. And the first plinth is really, I was trying to figure out, how do I get our visitors from script to screen in as few steps as possible? (coughs) Well, I read seven screenplays. I found the scene in the screenplay that inspires the costume behind it. So first you read the scene in the screenplay from the beginning. Then, and that screenplay is animated. And you can sort of zoom in on different pieces in there, the description. And the reason we're zooming in on the description, because when costume designers read a screenplay, we have our trusty yellow highlighter. And we are highlighting and we are making notes in the margins, right? Old school. And so you're reading the screenplay and it's animated to highlight many different things and sometimes in a very witty and amusing way. And then the light is on the fabulous design, whatever that design is, whether it's Mary Poppins or Charlie Chaplin or Beyonce and Dreamgirls, right? So then we see the costume that it was inspired by the story and then in the Behind them, we see the actor, life-size, on screen, just moving a little bit in the costume that's in front of you. So it's script to screen in three steps. And that was very important to me. Well, it was incredible, uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark section, which you, which you worked on, uh, the original picture that Steven Spielberg had drew of Indiana Jones and what he was wearing, uh, how did you go about uh, designing that costume? And even the, uh, what was interesting, the hat, uh, I believe it was sort of designed specifically so you could see more Harrison Ford's face. Is that right? Yeah, well, I had experience. But you asked me two questions. but oh, I had ex- <laughs> No, I had experience with hats because the movie that I had designed before Raiders was the Blues Brothers. <laughs> so I knew a little bit about hats and shadows on the face. It's, yeah. it's very tricky. Cinematographers always want to get some light in the actor's eyes. So for Harrison... I knew that I needed a brown fedora, but as every man, including you, Jeff, uh, will tell you, it's very hard to find a hat that looks good on you. Uh, Jeff, have you tried on baseball caps? Yeah, sometimes uh, they seem too big in the back, and then it makes your head kind of... uh... Yeah, and what about the bill? And you like that bill a certain way, and sometimes the crown is too high. It's the same thing with hats. Any man who's ever bought a baseball cap will tell you that, you know, there's not one cap fits all. So with the fedoras, I had to try, oh, like a thousand. We emptied boxes of fedoras on the floor, and he waded through them. And then finally we found one that sort of worked, and then I designed and and made 15 for Harrison. And the story of how, how we started Raiders of the Lost Ark, I was working on the Blues Brothers. I had already designed 1941 for Stephen, so we had a close working relationship and a close collaboration. And I was working on the Blues Brothers, and, and he sent me the screenplay. So I read the screenplay by Larry Kasdan. I read it, read it a few times. 
and then he came to Chicago. Everybody who's seen the Blues Brothers should know that Stephen is in the last scene at the Dade County Clerk's uh, office. He has a cameo, but he was really there to discuss the design of Raiders of the Lost Ark with me. And so when we started it, I mean, he absolutely knew that he wanted a action-adventure look, an archetype from the 1940s. And he and I sat down and we watched Lost Treasure of the Incas. I'm very open about this. You can see my plinth, I mean, uh, and China. And, and Charlton Heston wore this costume several times in Greatest Show on Earth. So I, I knew what I had to do. Well, how that drawing came about was that I was sitting in a meeting with Steve and and I, I finally said, and he was saying, and he's six foot two, and he wears a hat, and he wears a jacket. And I simply turned the sketchbook around, handed it to him with some colored pencils, and you have that, that picture downstairs. And it, I should say, Jeff, that the original of that picture has been hanging in my son's room since he was a baby. And he's now a grown-up person. <laughs> Uh, also, what's interesting about uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark and probably working on any action film is that you really have to, uh, for continuity, because your your lead actor is doing so many stunts and sort of tumbling around dirt, if a costume gets damaged, you really have to have multiples. A lot of people don't realize how important that is to have carbon copies of a costume so it plays out continuity-wise. Oh, we, we have um, many, many, many costumes. I, I think I made I made at least 10 and maybe 12 for Raiders of the Lost Ark of Indiana Jones costumes, there were not only are there doubles and stunt doubles, but also for a movie that big, we have second units that go into the desert with a, with a stunt double dressed as the actor. So we have second units, third units that all shoot concurrently. I have a friend who designs movies for Marvel, and some of the superhero costumes, they make 40 oh. costumes. Uh, they need them. Yeah, and they're very intricately made, so obviously it's a lot of course of they are, and and they're expensive. Yeah. Uh, the next section of the exhibit, uh, I really love the dialogue part uh, between the director and the costume designer. Not only te te uh, technologically wise is it uh, fascinating to see two people sort of sitting across from each other having this conversation. Yeah, like, it's like, it's my it's my favorite too. <laughs> it's totally my favorite too. Uh, so among that, uh, you have you know, Mike Nichols and Ann Roth. You have uh, Tim Burton, Colin Atwood, uh, Martin Scorsese, Sandy Powell. Quentin, uh, Quentin Tarantino oh, and Sharon, Tarantino and Sharon and Davis. Yeah, very yeah. fascinating. And then you have uh, between them the table, and you have it projected all the different drawings of the costumes. Really incredible. Uh, so when you were shooting that, did you have questions designed to sort of spark a conversation? between uh, the costume designer and director, or was there any... Uh, well, I have to say, you know, double threat, double threat. So <laughs> I'm a practitioner and I'm a scholar, so I'm really bad for, uh, you know, really bad or really good. So, yeah, I, I know the inside track, and, of course, I'm close with all of these designers. I know the directors, not well, but I know the directors, and, and I feel comfortable in... Uh, in my field and discussing my field. Why this is my favorite gallery is that it's completely unique to this exhibition. It's possible, I mean, people who want to go see 
Captain America or or Iron Man or some of the superheroes can go to something like the Avengers Experience touring exhibitions. If you want to see a lot of the big elaborate costumes once a year, uh, FITM, the Fashion Institute downtown, does a costume exhibition. But they're not like this Hollywood costume um, exhibition in any way, shape, or form. Because this exhibition was designed from the inside out. It was designed to let you in, the visitor in, to our intimate conversations, into the process that leads to a story which leads to an experience in the theater. I always say, that costume designers and directors don't make icons. We don't do it. It's the audience that makes an icon. Because when the audience falls in love with that character, with that person, with that story on screen, we can't make you do it. We, we try, but we can't make you. Just, you know, see the marketing. Yeah. But when the audience does it, and it's magic. And that includes us in the industry. When we're sitting there and we're loving it, embracing, that's when icons are made. So in this dining room, you're sitting at the, the just the beginning, the birth of the conversation. And look, costume starts with a C. But where costumes start is with the conversation. Costumes and characterization start with that first conversation with the director. And the collaboration process is so important uh, you know, between a director and a costume designer. Uh, one of the interesting parts of that section was when uh, I believe Ann Roth was telling Mike Nichols about how she found some girl sitting, uh, I think it was in Budapest or Italy, I'm not exactly sure, but that inspired the costume that Natalie, Natalie Portman wore in Closer. Uh, so it was interesting to see sort of how, you know, the transition of seeing some someone being an inspiration telling the director about it and then using that as a springboard to create something that really pops and creates a character well think think about screenplays a screenplay can have exactly the same words so look at that room in the hollywood costume exhibition think about one screenplay and then think about tim burton quentin tarantino mike nichols marty scorsese and Alfred Hitchcock, Jeff, would they make the same movie? Absolutely not. Totally different music would be in there. It would be shot from different ways. It would be edited differently. Different actors, different clothes, different creative collaborators. So really, the Hollywood costume exhibition is for anybody who loves movies, because in the essence, it's about movie making. What do you think uh, is sort of a misconception about uh, costume design? Because a lot of people don't realize how collaborative it really is with a director. Uh, so what do you think is sort of the most important part yourself of collaborating with a director and really uh, you know, developing costumes for actors and for characters? Well, I think that what the general public doesn't think about, and maybe they shouldn't think about this, is that the directors really don't want us to create characters. Characters are really two-dimensional. What we're really being asked to create are people. People who have a life before the movie begins. Because what are stories? What are movies except stories about people? 
people like us. And we kind of believe that they're really going to die. And we really have to believe that they're going to get married. And we're really stakeholders in the outcome of the story. So, so if, if the people are the most important part of the movie, most of their time they're wearing clothes. And clothes may be, with a performance, the key to the authenticity of that person. And I think, you know, being authentic in life and in art is key. What do you think are some of your, your favorite costumes in the exhibit? Well, I have, I have, well, the, the exhibit is so emotional and so sentimental. I mean, if you don't feel it um, in, a, in a major way, um, but again, it's only if you love movies. But, but my favorites, because they're so touching, are the Charlie Chaplin, The Tramp. It's loaned by his family in Switzerland. They never let it out. So, and, and nothing in the exhibition is in a case, only the, the Marilyn Monroe seven, famous seven-year itch dress and the ruby slippers. Otherwise, everything is out. You're a yard away from everything. Um, and I, I'd say Funny Girl, you know, the movies that I really loved and My Fair Lady. There are some costumes in the exhibition that, you know, movies are about memory, and the first time you saw them, and Darcy's Pinafore, unbelievable. There's not one reproduction in the show. So, so it's, very, it's very moving. I was wondering uh, the process of finding those costumes. Uh, did you have sort of a set, uh, sort of what movies you wanted to focus on, or which ones you were trying to track down? Well, um, actually, the... the I don't think that I said this in this interview, but the exhibition took five years to create. And it was in two parts. And I, I said earlier in our conversation that I, I really don't know which was more, uh, more difficult, uh, the challenge of designing the exhibition and making it an emotional journey, a cinematic experience, or whether it was actually finding the clothes. The clothes aren't around. They're simply not around. And I wish I had more clothes from the golden age of Hollywood from the 30s and 40s. I wish I did. But in the old days, what happened was the studios would shoot a movie and then the clothes would be put into a vast costume stock, a costume storage, a costume closet. And the clothes were continually used and recycled on the next film. So there's very little left. The fact that Dorothy's pinafore exists is, is a miracle, really. So, um, yeah, it took a long time to figure out uh, what was out there. When um, I've been asked, are, are there things that, that you wanted that, that aren't in the show? And, for instance, there's a My Fair Lady, a very famous white dress that Audrey Hepburn wears, a Cecil Beaton design. And um, it was purchased at the Debbie Reynolds sale and... A collector has it, and we don't know who that is. So, so yeah, it was really tough to find the clothes, and and I wish there were more Golden Age clothes. But as it is, 150 costumes with 63 collectors. Yeah, I mean, uh, what's incredible is the Charlie Chaplin costume, which I believe is the is that the oldest costume in yes, the yes, 1914. So wow. it's a hundred years of costumes. Even, uh, even the shoes are authentic from... Yes, from, right? yes, it's yeah. the shoes, the cane, the bowler, everything about that costume 
is authentic. I mean, the show goes from 1914, The Tramp, to 2014, Captain America, Winter Soldier. <laughs> Hilarious. Which I enjoyed, by the way. <laughs> but what it is really fascinating to see clothes that are that old. You know, like, I, I just found myself staring, you know, to be like, you know, someone put so much effort and time into creating this piece of clothing, and here it is, a hundred years later. You know, like, I love movies, but I think even if you don't, it's so, like, historically fascinating to see these articles of clothing, to see these, you know, it's like a time capsule of this time that we'll never get to experience. You know, we really get to experience it in clothing. And uh, I'm glad you brought that up because it's really an L.A. story. Mm. It would have really broken my heart had this show not come home mm. to Hollywood because most of these clothes, like Chaplin's clothes, mm. were all made here. It's all about Southern California. <laughs> we created this. This is our non-polluting export, mm. right? This is popular culture, international popular culture, like it or not. It's, it's really we have created modern mythology here in Southern California. And that's another reason is that these are artifacts from LA that were created here by really by the people upon whose shoulders we stand. And studio culture and movies started here. Um, and I think we, we should have a lot of pride in that. Absolutely. How important uh, was it working with the Academy, uh, particularly Sheldon uh, Isaacs, who's the president of the Academy, and uh, developing exhibition and uh, you know, putting all the pieces together to bring it out to LA? Well, um, the Academy wasn't involved in developing the exhibition. I've been a member since 1988, but it was really the VA that supported the exhibition and that toured the exhibition worldwide. Um, Hollywood. Hollywood Costume was also the most successful show in the history of the Australian Center for the Moving Image in Melbourne. Where the Academy got involved is that they understood that here was an exhibition created by a member and, and really could exemplify what the new museum, the new Academy Museum of Motion Pictures that will open sometime soon, 17, 18, 19, it's going to open and open with exhibitions that are as lush, um, informative, entertaining, and also academic as this one. So very, very supportive. I think the, our visitors should know that this exhibition has expanded here at the Academy. A friend of mine asked me, uh, a friend of mine from Berkeley, who was coming down to see the exhibition here at the Academy, said, oh, I'm so sorry that I'm, I'm coming to see a truncated version of your show. And I said, truncated? It's expanded. It's humongous. Wait till you see it. So I, um, yeah, I just hope everybody comes. It's open till March second, and and the world of LA should show up. Definitely. Um, I wanted to ask you sort of about the collaboration process quickly, uh, just with some directors who worked with us. Okay. Throw out some names. Uh, one of which is one of my favorites, Louis Mall. Yes. He worked on Crackers with. Uh, what was he like in terms of collaborating with a costume designer? Well, actually, I'm going to answer this very, very quickly. I worked with Louis Mal, and when he 
during my first meeting with Louis. He said, come into my office, Deborah. And then he closed the door. But before he closed the door, he said to his assistant, no calls, please. <laughs> that's my idea of a great director. So that's the first thing. I also worked with Costa Gavras, who is a cl- remains a close friend. And I think when you work with great directors, they don't have to know anything about costuming. They hire great people who they, they delegate to a costume designer. It's more than delegate. I think it's it's not delegate so much to correct you, Jeff. It's it's more to it's they're leaning on us simply for the most important thing in the movie to bring the people to life. Our job is not so much about clothes. We are delegated with bringing the people to life. Is there anything more important? So whether it's working with Steve Spielberg or my husband, John Landis, or Costa or Louis, I think great directors understand that it's always going to be about the people. You know, we don't make documentaries, no costume design in documentaries. We don't make radio, no costume design in radio. And we don't make travelogues. We make narrative movies in which there is a screenplay and then there is a performance. And then the actor and the director put it all together.